Hey everyone, I just got back from uh, bereavement leave. What? And uh, boy, boy are my arms tired. How's everyone else doing? I don't even know how to react to that. Um, yeah, I got nothing. I'm okay. I've I've been busy because I did the thing that everybody has done in quarantine, and I got a dog a month ago. Nice. What's what's your dog's name? His name is Ted. Big Ted. Is it is his full name actually Edward? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's Ted Danson. <laughs> nice. Oh no, really? Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. That's oh, awesome. why didn't I know that? That's amazing. <laughs> Allie, how about you? Um, you know, I'm doing all right. Um, I wrote a little pandemic poem, if you'd like to hear it. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's Please. a it's a bit of a downer, so prep yourselves. I'd be shocked if it wasn't. <laughs> it's a limerick, too, which is one of my favorite styles of poetry. I don't really write poetry, by the way, but the limerick just, you know, rolls off the tongue. This isn't like one of those, like, body limericks, is it? No, no, there once was a man from Nantucket kind. Yeah, no. <laughs> keeping it clean for, for our audience. Yeah, okay. yeah, this week at least. Um, there once was a global pandemic and racism that was systemic. We all lost our minds, wanted to unwind, and our drinking became endemic. Oh. <laughs> I just rhymed <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> with pandemic twice. I mean, I want some points for that. Yeah. I am, I'm both impressed and a little depressed. <laughs> um, and now I'm rhyming. What have you done to me? <laughs> we just completely ignored Joe that whole time. <laughs> okay, Joe. Joe, how are you doing? I I am doing good. I'm I'm uh, having some technical difficulties. So, uh, yes, tell us about your appliances. Yes, our our listeners uh, will be interested really to know a great deal about what's going on with my my personal life. Yeah, I'm uh, I am currently waiting for a dishwasher to come and to take away my old dishwasher. So if our audience, if, if you're listening and you hear something in the background, that's that's probably the good people at Best Buy coming to pick up my dishwasher. We love Best Buy, a good Minnesota company. <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually, that leads into our topic for today pretty well. We're talking about virtual court proceedings, um, which don't always go according to plans. We're just going to talk about how things have been going with that over the last several months. Welcome to Fine Laws Don't Judge Me, the podcast about the real life of lawyering. I'm Laura Temme, and I'm joined by Andy Leonati. Yo! <laughs> um, Joe Fawbush. Hey, y'all. And Allie Marshall. Hello. <laughs> I didn't know we were doing accent work in this episode. I would have prepared Three-day weekend yeah. imminent. Huh? Everyone's already... <laughs> Losing it. We're already losing it <laughs> completely. So we're talking about virtual court today and how that's been going um, over the last several months. We In an earlier episode, we talked about Zoom fails and some other stuff. So I'm sure we'll talk more about um, clothing issues and <laughs> what did I say? Donald, Donald ducking. ducking. <laughs> <laughs> that's better than like Daffy ducking, which is just completely... Completely without no clothes. clothes. <laughs> Donald Donald Duck at least wore a shirt. That's true, yeah. Yeah. So did Pooh Bear. What's with the just the shirt? Yeah. 
Why, I wonder. Why as children yeah, did we not question I, that? <laughs> my my four-year-old does think pants are an optional piece of clothing. So yeah, but grown, grown, grown men out there, I'm sorry, I, pants are not optional. <laughs> Especially when you're doing no. a virtual court hearing. But talking with my former law partner who still practices about how this whole, you know, court situation is going. And she's in, in court fairly frequently. Um, and she she just was like, you know, there's a version of me that's in court that that judges respond to, you know, that opposing counsel tends to respond to. And there's a different version at home. And that one is not as successful. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really it's harder <laughs> to get some of that across. Yeah. And a lot of it, you know, is because the body language is so important, like that personal connection mm -hmm. gets interrupted by that virtual experience. And especially in it's in family law, you know, like that matters in those situations. And yeah. not like she can't effectively advocate for her clients, but it's definitely different and it's more of a mm -hmm. challenge on figuring out how you break that barrier. Has she tried uh, mm -hmm. standing up and like away from the from the camera like this so she can be like so so she <laughs> I just want to let everyone know that Andy is currently so rolling she his can be chair like, away from the camera. Hey, objection. You know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I've never I haven't seen one of these in action recently. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I personally, too, can imagine like how hard that is to advocate having practiced mm -hmm. like that in that interpersonal. Like it's harder for a judge to say no to somebody when they're there in person versus mm -hmm. remote. I feel like that's that's got to be true. It's got to affect how decisions are made. Judges are just like passive Midwesterners in court. <laughs> you mean like I, on, like in virtual? No, I mean when you say I mean? harder oh. to say no in person. I just oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, no, I mean I think it's it's just like it's more personal when the person is there. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're you know again family law. Maybe it's more emotional, but like you know they're having that. Um, connection and the judge can talk to them right away in person and it's like I don't know there's just more mm -hmm. of that personal interaction that I think is lost Allie what kind of things is she doing in virtually I mean they're not having trials or anything um, are they yeah I think some are some trials are for happening virtually okay. I don't know that all of them I think it depends it's like maybe a judge by judge county by county basis but yeah I don't think, but no one is doing jury trials right now, correct? Actually, in Texas, I think they've done a few different jury trials. And actually, they've also done uh, oh, okay. a minor criminal thing with like a, a traffic ticket, like a speeding through a construction zone. Um, I was reading about this the other day. And yeah, they actually mm -hmm. got jurors on their smartphones and their tablets. And oh, wow. Yeah, they, you know, they had to. Huh. You know, jury selection was interesting because they had to dismiss like five jurors just for technical issues. Um, and yeah, you know, there's all sorts of like, Ali, what you were talking about with, you know, being uh, able to convince people in person is a lot more difficult over video. So yeah. I don't think that they're going to do it for anything serious. You know, I mean, obviously, this was a, a traffic offense. So it's not like, mm -hmm. you know, the person was facing jail time. But um, yeah, I'd imagine that for the same thing with criminals as with family like you know if if you're litigating i'd, I'd almost push to not have any 
trials uh, over video, I think that would be extremely hard to do. But what if they're like incarcerated and then you have the speedy trial issue and like, like, mm. you know what I mean? And they yeah. don't have the money to get themselves out and they're effectively jailed. I wonder if I haven't got, mm-hmm. I haven't read up on this, but if they're, if they're releasing some pending um, their trial. Some states have been doing that. And then other places just show a like stunning lack of empathy for like anyone's like constitutional rights. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, yeah, and that's that's not even Crazy. for just criminal defendants. I mean, if you're injured in a car accident and your attorney can't necessarily yeah. threaten trial the same way that she could have if, you know, courts were open. I mean, it's it's a lot harder to get a settlement that mm-hmm. you would otherwise because that threat of trial isn't there maybe yeah. to the same extent anyway. Yeah. Or it is, mm-hmm. but it's it's more removed because it's maybe next year or the year after. It's even more yeah. prolonged. Than yeah, now. and if you need money sooner rather than mm-hmm. later, that might be leverage to settle for less. I never thought about that. That's sad. Yeah, there's a lot that's... I mean, I think that some people probably find it actually more accessible, the, the system, this way, because it's it almost like levels the playing field in a way if you if you can... If you can get some basic techno, you know, technical um, mm-hmm. foundation to have access and that kind of thing. Yeah. It seems that there are some advantages here as far as making it more accessible. Um, you know, one thing I was thinking about was um, people not having to travel to the courthouse. You know, if somebody doesn't have a car or things, you know, they don't have to pay for transport. They're not paying for parking. They're not taking as much time yeah. off of work to go to the courthouse. Um, the only problem with that is that, of course, sometimes, you know, a laptop and good Wi-Fi are also hard to come by. So it's, it's kind of a mixed I have bag. seen that people who are getting evicted are much more likely to attend a hearing regarding their eviction now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, yeah. with a lot of people being out of work, they probably have more time. And then, you know, with the eviction, with being able to, to zoom in, you know, if you can, if you can get to a public library, you know, something like that, you can still actually mm-hmm. probably zoom in through there. So, yeah, there are some there are some benefits. It's not all doom and gloom. Um, is it, does it make it harder for someone to, you know, they don't get you don't get to confer with your attorney in the same way unless unless you go to your attorney's office or something or, and you both, you know, you and your attorney are sitting there, wear your masks if you're next to each other, by the way, and you don't live in the same household. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really You know what point. I mean? You can't, yeah. you can't, yeah, you can't whisper to your attorney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have heard of people using um, the zoom breakout rooms to do, sort of sidebar conversations with their attorney, but yeah, you can't have that sort of spontaneous um, conversation. What if you think you're going to a breakout room and then you say like, okay, yeah, I totally did it, but it sounds like... And then then opposing counsel is there too, yeah. Half the time as an attorney, you're trying to keep your client from saying things, you know, like, and then... They think when they think that it's okay and you think it, yeah, man. Oh. Well, and it's not just if making a mistake. I mean, you know, 
these meetings are being recorded or if, you know, mm -hmm. like you're in Teams instead of Zoom and you're in the chat and you start typing things that maybe you don't want other people to see. <laughs> Who would do that? None of, none of us would do that. <laughs> no, no, of course not. But I mean, but then it is. So what do you do with that recording yeah. slash evidence? Uh, you know, I mean, how private is it? How, you know, yeah. those kinds of things are are very new issues that I don't think mm -hmm. there's a resolution for. I mean, hopefully that would be, but. Yeah, I've seen things from a few states where they're deleting the um, the recordings after the fact. But, you know, with stuff like that, you're always kind of just taking someone's word for it. You know, it's okay, it's been deleted, but yeah. has it been? Is it still in the cloud? Yeah. If you think the judge is being a dick or like someone is lying about <laughs> a witness is lying about you or whatever, just keep it to yourself, I guess. Yeah. The yeah, written I mean there's nothing like getting an email to yourself about you that wasn't meant to be, you know? Oh. So my law partner Did that th happen? Yes, this happened to her opposing counsel and the best part is her reaction to it which was she's like, "Yeah, I mean he he said basically to his client, well he, he thought it was his client, but it was actually her. What a blank, you know, and and had a Oh, so she, yes. She made T-shirts. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's incredible. I love that. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, and she, I, that's part of it. Like, look, we know that part of the advocacy back and forth, you, like <laughs> passions get inflamed and, and whatever, and people get riled up and that's fine. I mean, you have to have a thick skin and a sense of humor about it. But yeah, it's, so there's just a little bit more care that you have to take when you're putting it in writing versus having, like you said, Andy, that little like side conversation. You know, I did also kind of want to mention that the whole broadcasting, since we're talking about yeah. kind of putting stuff out there that we don't really maybe want seen. I mean, all, uh, you know, a lot of trials at least are, are public information. A lot of court proceedings are, are public you know, it's kind of an interesting balancing act between allowing the public to access a trial and then just posting it live on YouTube for people who are just mildly curious about a, you know, murder case or a whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're going to get a lot more people watching these things. And is that an issue for certain uh, proceedings? Yeah. Yeah, right. Because when you when it's happening live, you can go, but you, it's not right. It's not on TV. You have to go be in person in the gallery. Yeah, and like even some public records, they're you know I'll put that in air quotes. They're not actually out there in the public. You have to go to the courthouse. You have to sign them out. Like you have to have a sort of you know like legit reason to be doing some of that. And it's different now. I mm -hmm. am a big fan of uh, video cameras in the Supreme Court, so. I don't really have much of an issue with that. I mean, people should kind of, I mean, I know it opens the door to like more grandstanding yeah. by, by the attorneys if they know TV cameras are there. I don't, I don't know if that outweighs like more people actually having some knowledge about like how the judicial system works because most people's yep. knowledge of it is like stunningly absent. <laughs> yeah. And, and Andy, I would agree with you for appellate mm -hmm. cases. You know, I'm I'm more thinking about trials and and lower courts yeah, because absolutely. then it involves people who aren't necessarily wanting to draw attention to it. Um, but yeah, for the for the 
the fact that the Supreme Court finally let us listen to oral arguments live, I thought that that was long overdue. And I was glad that the pandemic finally forced the Supreme Court to do that. Yeah, you you need transparency, but you also need to protect the people who are participating in the process or no one's going to want to, like witnesses and family members and victims. And um, they're not going to want to do it if it's like just broadcast you know, everywhere, or like you said, Joe, a YouTube video. It's also true. I never thought of that in terms of like someone conducting a background check or something like that. And then all of a sudden your, uh, your DUI oh, sure. trial is on, is on YouTube. No, I was just going to say that, uh, going back to Texas, cause, uh, Texas has really kind of embraced this more so than most other States. Uh, one of their solutions was to post the uh, video yeah. onto their YouTube channel live and then mm-hmm. immediately take it down afterwards, which seems like a decent balance between, you know, because then at least if you're interested in it, you at least have to be there live. And, you know, that that does offer some limitation. It's not like, you know, you can just scroll through whatever trials catches your eye. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good solution because I've heard of courts broadcasting most of their proceedings and then you've got i think it's the new york city courts they're not broadcasting anything and so if somebody wants to come in and watch the the participants are still on zoom or some kind of web platform but the people who want to come watch still have to come physically to the courthouse and watch it on a screen so then you've got issues of you know social distancing and stuff like that and so it just sort of there's still an issue so yeah i think that Yeah, having it up and then taking it down when it's over makes a lot of sense. I will say this, though, that, I mean, I don't know. I think we've all been a little bit in denial about how long this is going to be and what it will mean for how we change, how we do business. But, like, if we we can, with 1960s technology, send people (laughs) to the moon and land and bring them safely back, we can figure this out, right? (laughs) Like, this isn't... We can do it. Oh, yeah. Think of that scene in <laughs> Apollo 13 where he's like, we yeah. got to figure out a way to make this fit into that size hole using nothing but this stuff on the table. People are amazing. Like, let's MacGyver this, right? I mean, <laughs> and protect constitutional rights. Yeah, I mean, because that's an interesting, because I don't think the the technology is insurmountable in terms of just getting it done. Um, but there is something to be said for being like not being able to replace being there in person. You know, I mean, I recently wrote about how most lawyers want to go back into the office for this reason, just because they want to talk to their colleagues in person. They want to, you know, be able to walk things through and it's not always easy to set up a, a zoom or a teams chat if you just kind of have a single question where you'd pop your head in. Um, and, you know, and I still think that's true, even if, even if the technology is flawless, um, you know, there have been studies that, for example, people seeking asylum are much more likely to Mm -hmm. have their requests denied if they're doing it over video conference, because they're not in the room. It's a little easier to think of them as, you know, not really here. Um, you know, it's not in front of you. It's hard to, you know, do those nonverbal cues like you were talking about, Allie. So I do think there are some things that 
you just can't mimic with current technology, um, even though you can come close. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I don't think we can completely roll back. You know, whenever all of this is over, I don't think all of this is going to completely go away. I th- there's there's places where it would make sense to keep doing things this way. Um, I'm thinking about like scheduling conferences. You know, do attorneys really need to travel possibly to another city all the way to the courthouse to have a 30 minute meeting with the judge at the client's expense? Right. And they are now holding them over Zoom. You know, I think that that's the kind of thing where we could keep this sort of practice. Yep. Yeah, well, in Social Security disability hearings, they've been doing those over mm-hmm. video conference for years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think there's room to expand. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, but I'm thinking more along those, you know, serious criminal trials where there are, you know, constitutional mm-hmm. issues. And, like, if a juror is at home scrolling yeah. through their Facebook when they're supposed to be on the, you know, on Zoom, that would be almost impossible to get a conviction in that case because all you'd have to do as an attorney is say you know juror misconduct i saw juror six <laughs> you know wasn't paying attention and it's recorded here yeah it's like you know and then you all send the you get a new trial yeah it'll be interesting too as this fall goes on like how this will progress within the courts and and whether they're going to be moving a little bit more towards um pushing some of these cases through that need to be tried and or, or coming up with a creative solution for how we resolve them. And maybe more defendants will choose um, bench trials if it's in a criminal situation. I want to harken back to your MacGyver comment that um, instead of like people putting their brains together to solve this problem and make it like this so maybe defendants can do this stuff, instead we're just going to have like some deep fake videos of like, Oh, didn't you, did you just, did the media just totally ignore when Donald Trump was on trial for murder two years ago? Here's the trial footage. Don't or give like them ideas. Joe Bi- or like Joe, Joe, the same with Joe Biden. We're going to, and then we're going to have to like talk about Joe Biden's 10 year old murder trial with the video, with, <laughs> with, the, with the video footage. <laughs> That's actually, though, a great, like, concern. Fraud in, uh, in you know, court proceedings. I mean, you know, is there, there are there things you can doctor and then put up on the, the video conferencing? I mean, so, yeah, fraud and deepfakes are sadly a concern. You know, we're kind of in this brave new world territory that is starting to get a little bit, bit frightening. All right. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Andy will have something completely different. (laughs) Artificial intelligence continues to reshape America's legal system. One sophisticated AI tool is QuickCheck Judicial which analyzes multiple filings from a single matter, showing judges what cases you and your opponent did or did not cite. This gives judges greater insight into both sides' arguments. But what if you could gain that same insight using the same tool your judge has? Well, now you can. Quick Check Judicial is coming later this summer. Be the first to see it. Visit tr.com forward slash quick hyphen check. All right, Andy, I'm 
told that you have a story to tell us. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Laura. I have. You're welcome. I'm sorry. I'm I'm phoning it in this week. I put a lot of work into the true crime episode, and I'm a little burnt. You know, out. it's it's cool. It's cool. Um, that's fine. This is. Uh, it would have taken you just as long to kind of sum up what I was going to talk about as it's going to take me to tell the listeners. So because this one, we've got a little. Uh, still unfolding legal and political drama in Virginia that's complicated and also at the same time seems extremely stupid. And it just, if it's another big win for uh, common law and people who say that they care about law and order but don't actually understand what that means. Um, so we've got in the city of uh, Portsmouth, Virginia. Police earlier this month announced that they were going to file charges against state Senator Louise Lucas, local NAACP officials, the city's top public defender, other attorneys in her office, and a school board member for felony injury to a monument. Okay. Why do I have a feeling the Confederacy is involved in this? I'm just gonna leave that. Char- I'm just gonna leave that charge name there because I don't think any further yeah. jokes are necessary about it. <laughs> Lucas, uh, the Senate President Pro Temp of Virginia, the highest-ranking Black female elected official in the state of Virginia, was present at a protest in June, but she was not there at night when some Confederate monuments were pretty righteously wrecked and defaced. So the serving of the arrest warrant also comes right at the same time as the Virginia General Assembly is debating a package of policing reform measures. And I'll also note that the police did not seek a warrant through nor consult with the local Commonwealth's attorney office in investigating this case. Instead, they went through the office of the magistrate. So they completely cut out the the prosecutor's office from this as well. Prosecutor said they had nothing to do with it, blah, 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 blah. So it does not end there. This is, that is really only the first half of it. (laughs) I'm already confused. Are you (laughs) kidding me? (laughs) I I was just going to say, I'm going to need, I'm going to need a timeline. I'm going to need a map. So the protest happened in June, but the arrest warrants happened about, uh, Today is September 3rd. This this unfolded about two weeks ago um, with the arrest warrants. And then, and then Lucas's daughter, Portsmouth Vice Mayor Lisa Lucas Burke, then called for police chief Angela Green's ouster because oh. of the um, because of the criminal charges. But Portsmouth has a uh, city charter that gives most powers over personnel to a unelected city manager, which, you know, a position that's very popular nowadays, especially in suburbs and other cities that <laughs> like to have people unaccountable to voters. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so the city charter has a clause about non-interference in appointments or removals of city personnel. Basically, you cannot try and coerce the city manager into making certain personnel decisions. So a private citizen named Tommy Dubois, the busiest of busybodies, (laughs) filed a criminal complaint with the local magistrate charging the vice mayor, Lisa Lucas Burke, with a misdemeanor violation of the city charter. 
and a magistrate judge signed off on it, forcing her to appear, forcing Lisa Lucas Burke to have to appear in court to respond to the charge. If convicted, she would lose her vice mayor and city council positions. This, this honestly, this sounds like an episode of Parks and Recreation. What's it happening? Does, yeah. It does. I was just going to say vice mayor. I am not suggesting this, but many people are likely to think that there is something afoot here. One could look at this and see it as a ham-fisted attempt to intimidate and silence proponents of police reform. I'm not suggesting that's the case, but (laughs) also the craziest, but the craziest thing to nugget of this saga to me is learning that Virginia citizens can bring forward misdemeanor criminal complaints through a magistrate's office. And all you have to do is get a judge to sign off on it. No police, no prosecutors, no nothing. This, of course, this seems completely insane to me. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, a judge does have to sign off on it. But yeah, a, a citizen being able to bring criminal charges against someone else is is pretty wild. Well, only when you think about the people who are going to take advantage of that situation. Well, exactly. The people who have the time on their hands to know yeah. what sort of code they could bring this under are people that I'm not sure I want to deal 15 with. 15 minutes of Googling easily revealed to me how uh, how easy it is for someone with an ax to grind can take advantage oh, of this. Oh, yeah. Um, multiple workers in Virginia Beach who worked at the municipal building where the mass shooting took place last year, who survived, refused to come back into work in the building where it happened because they were traumatized, scared, whatever. Mm. One of those employees who apparently quite animatedly told his bosses that he wasn't going to do it and he was going to go to HR about it, his bosses filed a disorderly conduct charge against him. Oh. What a great way to resolve disputes. Let's just all file criminal charges against each other. A judge signed off on it. The man spent a day in jail and it only took some local news coverage and then justifiable outrage for for these guys to look like the giant horses asses that they were and for them <laughs> right. to drop the charges. And in a lot of hours of looking around this week, I wasn't able to find a comprehensive list, but states besides Virginia, which I think has pretty much the most like liberal interpretation of this stuff, we've got North Carolina, South Carolina, Maryland, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Idaho, New Hampshire, all allow this in some form. So this would be one of those laws that I would be really curious about the legislative history behind it. Like, what were they trying? They had to have some goal they were trying to achieve. What would it have been? A lot of it is based in the the old, like, common law concept of private prosecutions. Mm-hmm. and. I'm disappointed that we're not on the list. I've been thinking about what criminal charges I would file against all of you. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and now I, now I don't have anything. Mine would probably just be nuisance. <laughs> Mine would be like foul language in public. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then the best thing I found was that in Nebraska, if 10% of a county's registered voters who participated in the most recent state gubernatorial election sign a petition, they can impanel a grand jury. What? Say that again. I got lost in gubernatorial. (laughs) (laughs) sorry Andy. you can require a district court to convene a grand jury upon a petition signed by at least 10 percent of the registered voters of the county 
who cast votes for the office of governor in the most recent election. Man, that's specific. Yeah. yeah. That does seem to require a lot of signatures, though. Mm-hmm. And a lot of verification. I mean, I, yeah, it does take, it would take work. My dad will get, my. I'm sure my dad there is, is who's listening, is thinking about Gomer Pyle uh, instituting a citizen's arrest on Barney Fife for an illegal U-turn. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like in Virginia, anyone can do that. And I yeah. think that that is completely nuts. And and now it's apparently being used to get people to keep quiet and just say that all law enforcement is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, that took yeah. a turn. <laughs> so this is obviously still unfolding. Uh, there are court appearances to be done and a lot of criticism to be leveled in the media and such. Uh so I will be rest assured. I will be keeping an eye on this. Everyone else is probably too confused still to to know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, but I will keep an eye on all of this, so none of you have to. <laughs> I think I need a little time to chew on this. <laughs> And that's all we have for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us on Fine Laws Don't Judge Me. Please rate and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out lp.finelaw.com for other related content. And I think that that is completely nuts. Ted, Ted, I think Ted does. Too. Yeah, Ted thinks it's a Ted wait, thinks it's wait. a load of a load of crap. Ted agrees. No. Oh, now I can see him. No. <laughs> Look at that big doofus. He's like, hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs>